0: Follow us on social media or visit our website at CAFamily.net. Proverbs 18, verse 14 is our text that we've been using for this series called Developing a Strong Spirit. And the verse says, from the Amplified Translation, the classic version, the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble, but a weak and broken spirit who can raise up or bear. So it's obvious that our spirit or spiritual condition can be strong or weak, right? According to that verse. Well, developing a strong spirit we talked about, this is just a quick review, requires food, right, exercise, and rest. Food, exercise, and rest. We know that's true in the natural. It's also true in the spiritual. Also, we talked about last week that we have to strip off from ourselves the things that would weigh us down or slow us down spiritually. And we named a lot of different things that can do that. Uh, low self-esteem, fear, worry, anxiety. Uh, low self-worth, inferiority, guilt, sin, consciousness, condemnation. Uh, we can also say that things like pride, arrogance, and self-ambition, I mean, a lot of different things that would weigh us down, that we need to strip off from ourselves so that we can run our race with patience. And then we talked about the mind is the battlefield. And whichever way it leans is what's going to be strong. If we lean toward the flesh, then the flesh is going to dominate. But if we lean toward the spirit, then the spirit's going to dominate. The carnal mind is enmity against God, but the spiritual mind promotes the things of God, promotes life. One is death and one is life. It's kind of that simple. Well, as we continue our study, look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. Finally, and that means what's left to do. After all of what I just told you in the first five chapters and up to this point, this is what's left to do. Be strong in the Lord... And in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're in a spiritual warfare. And to be strong in spirit is to be strong in the Lord and not in ourselves. If it was being strong in ourselves, none of us could make it. But to be strong in the Lord is to strengthen us spiritually. Spiritually. So it's not our accomplishments or achievements. It's based on what he's done. Remember the Apostle Paul said, when I'm weak, then am I strong? He's talking about the most difficult thing for us to do is to overcome all the dictates of the flesh, to crucify the flesh and put him to death. There's this one individual that made a statement, kind of wondering how it applies to any of us. He said, the devil... um, Let me start this way. He said, God... Is never my problem. Is he your problem? The devil is rarely my problem. People sometimes are my problem. But I am my worst problem. I am. Think about that statement. Can you relate to it? Remember Paul said... The flesh wants to do its own thing, and there's only one thing that can control it, and that's walking in the Spirit. Amen. Well, in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, what Paul was saying was, all my accomplishments are nothing but garbage compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. So if I want to boast about everything that I've accomplished and all that I've achieved, It's nothing compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. So, if I want to boast on all my achievements and accomplishments, then basically what I'm doing is I'm exalting myself. But all that is garbage. I want to know Christ. I want to know the fellowship of His suffering and the power of His resurrection and that it exerts over the life of a believer. See, the whole thing is not just to read chapters of the Bible. But to have a transfer. His life for ours. Ours for His. Less of self, more of God. More of self, less of God. We want more of Him in our lives. Sometimes we say, I just can't do that. I just can't. Wait a minute. You could do all things through Christ, who is your strength. You're right in saying you can't do it. But you know what? Through Christ, you can do all things. Get the focus on Christ, not self. Look at these verses in Philippians chapter 2. We talked about the fact that the mind is so important. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. This is having the mind of Christ. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, died a criminal's death on a cross. What a statement. He stripped himself of all his mighty power and glory. He set it aside. He took on human form. He came as a slave. Why? To clothe us with his righteousness. To clothe us with His holiness. He stripped Himself to clothe us. Doesn't this take you back to the book of Genesis when man sinned against God and God did what? He sacrificed an animal. He killed an animal and clothed them with the animal hide. Right? Little did we know way back then He was talking about the sacrifice of Christ who died the sacrificial death so that we could be clothed with His righteousness. Godliness. Look in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness... So I'm taking off who I am and I'm putting on who Christ is. Wow. Isn't that amazing? We strip ourselves of our goals, our desires, our wants and we place on ourselves all that who he is, his goals for us, his desires for us and what he wants for us. It's a pretty good exchange, wouldn't you say? Okay. Now, look at Ephesians chapter 6 once again. Let's begin at verse 12. And notice, to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might involves these things. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, And having done all to stand, stand therefore. How? Having your loins girt about with truth. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching therein too with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. I I like to say it this way we can either face these forces of darkness in the flesh and who we are, or we can clothe ourselves with the armor of God and face all these forces of evil. And remember this when you put on all the armor of God and you've got on that helmet of salvation. And that shield comes down and you can't be seen. Your face can't be seen. When the devil looks, he sees the armor of God. He doesn't see you. He doesn't see your weakness, your faults, your flaws, your inadequacies. What does he see? The armor of God. And I'll tell you what, he runs in terror. So why would you lift it up and say, look at me, when you can keep it down and say, look at him? Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. So in order for us to overcome the strategies, the wiles, all the tricks of the devil, and all the accusations he hurls our way, we're to clothe ourselves with the armor of God. We're to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, not our own power. So in verse 14, look at verse 14 again. He starts with this. Stand therefore having your loins gird about with truth and then having on the breastplate of righteousness. But first, let's start with this girdle of truth, the belt of truth. This belt of truth holds everything in place. If you don't have that belt on tight, then your other armor can be loose and move around. And so they understood the need to have this belt of truth on tight. It's foundational. It's what it's all about. Walking in truth, living by the truth uh, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what's this talking about? How do I put this belt on? Well, in the book of Philemon, chapter 1, verse 6, there's only one chapter. I call it the book of filet mignon because of this wonderful blessed truth. Look at it. That the communication of your faith would become, how? Effectual. How? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. The belt of truth is put on by my acknowledging every good thing that is in me Hallelujah. in Christ Jesus. Amen. we got to get our attention and focus off of ourselves. Our flesh, this outward man that we're living in, this tent that houses our spirit and soul. And look beyond that and see who we are in Christ. And in the book of Ephesians chapter, look, for example, just as the first chapter, chapter 1, verse 3, look at what it says. I'm acknowledging that I am blessed beyond measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who had blessed us with All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. Say that with me. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. We need to take that truth. The belt of truth. And start acknowledging it as Philemon said. Acknowledge these good things that we have in Christ. In Christ, I am blessed. I am blessed beyond measure. We find ourselves walking around saying all kind of negativity and stuff like that. What does it do? It loosens this belt of truth. You're walking by a lower truth and not the higher truth. The higher truth is I am blessed. I'm blessed coming in. I am blessed going out. I am blessed in this city. I'm blessed in the store basket. I mean, the list goes on and on. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. How do I put on this belt of truth? How do I strengthen myself? I feed my spirit on the word of God. What is truth? You know, there's a lie. A lie that is taken over the mentality of our society today. And that lie is that there is no absolute truth. Your truth is your truth And my truth is my truth. What a cop-out. Jesus said, I am the truth. The truth is a person. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. The mentality of our society and culture today is you establish your own truth. If you feel that you're a woman and you're a man, then that's your truth, and vice versa. What's happened in our country and our society is we've allowed the truth to be compromised. We've allowed the truth to be compromised for a lower truth, based on feeling and based on emotion. This is how I feel. This is what I think. Well, Jesus said... If you stay in my word and continue in it, you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. The truth. Well, here's the example. Uh, Our culture, our society, our nation has sanctioned same-sex marriage. Based on what? A violation of God's truth. God's word says, Jesus quoted it, For this man, cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. We can't alter that. We can't change that because truth is timeless. Someone once said, well, that was way back when, but God's changed since then. I never read that anywhere. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. I am the Lord and I change not. Right? So we're to be governed by the truth. Not a lower truth. And, you know, even when it comes to healing and and I've had my share of challenges. And I'm sure you have had yours. The truth is we've been healed by the stripes of Jesus. Right? The truth is that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in all of us to quicken our mortal bodies. Your mortal body need quickened? Made alive? Given health and life? Absolutely. Right? But the lower truth says, I don't feel well today. And so now we've got a warfare taking place. When we talk about fighting the good fight of faith, what are we doing? We've got the higher truth of God's word and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that liberates us from the law of sin and death, but we've got the law of sin and death in operation in our flesh, and it's telling us another story. It's giving us another truth. Is it true that I don't feel well? Absolutely. Is it true that I am healed by his stripes? Absolutely. So now we've got this mind in the middle that says, hmm, do I want to lean this way or do I want to lean that way? My flesh says lean that way and get people to feel sorry for you and to help you, etc., etc. But God says lean this way. You'll strengthen your spiritual condition by doing so. Get a hold of the Word and start feeding our spirits what? What the Word says. His words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. He sent His Word and healed me And delivered me from my destructions. And even though my flesh is at war with me, I'm going to continue to proclaim it, praise God, until it becomes a reality in my life. The same thing is true with all these other things we're talking about. You know, when we talk about same-sex marriage, the feelings may be there, the emotions may be there, but we have to live our lives by a higher truth. I'm not singling those people out, trust me. Because we have compassion for all humanity. We don't want to see anybody spend their eternity in the lake of fire. This is love. At its highest level, love even your enemies, Jesus said. We love people enough to tell them what the word of God says. And we can be liberated from that. Someone once uh, uh, told me, I just, can't, I just can't overcome this particular habit that he has. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah. I had this habit, but I I gave that up. Why did you give that up? Why did you overcome that? made a decision to do so. Because it was detrimental. Well, once again, it's important that we understand that we have got the power of God in our innermost being to help us accomplish and achieve the things that God wants us to experience. But it's up to us to do what? Fight this good fight of faith... Lay hold of eternal life to where we're called and profess a good profession or confession before many witnesses and let people know, praise God, I was bound, but I'm free. Thank God Jesus set me free. Thank God for the truth that sets me free. Well, here I am thinking uh, this way. But the Bible says, no, those aren't the thoughts of God. Someone once said, well, My father had this disease. My grandfather had this disease. And his father had the disease. I guess I'm going to have the disease too. Really? You inviting it? You're going by that truth? Then what we're we're doing is we're ignoring the very work of Christ. The finished work of Christ. The way a spirit gets strong is by acknowledging every good thing in us in Christ Jesus. This one young man. He was bound by nicotine and he was told by a minister, declare it every moment of every day. Nicotine has no power over me. Nicotine has no power over me. Nicotine has no power over me because I've been delivered by the blood of Jesus. It has no power over my life. And he kept on doing this day after day for two weeks. Two weeks later, he comes back to the minister and says, you know what? I started doing that thinking that it was foolish, that it was ridiculous for me to talk like that about myself. Nicotine, or speaking to nicotine. He said, but after like two or three days into it, I went to light up a cigarette and it was disgusting. And you didn't even tell me to throw my cigarettes away. He said, you know what? After a week, I threw them all away. And I have no desire whatsoever for it. When we start acknowledging what the Word says, that's how you get strong spiritually. That's how our spirits grow strong, by feeding them the Word of God. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. We're not going to look at all these verses. I listed them there for you, but I'll just declare what they say. You can look it up later, use it for a Bible study. I'm blessed according to Ephesians 1 3. I'm in the family of God, adopted, praise God, into his family. I am accepted in the beloved. Maybe not at Seven Oaks Country Club, but I'm accepted in the beloved. Maybe not somebody else's clique, clan, or whatever, but I'm accepted in the beloved. I'm accepted at the throne of Almighty God. Hallelujah. can you say amen to that everybody wants acceptance right we all want to be accepted somewhere someplace somehow praise God well guess what you're accepted in the beloved you're a child of the king you're royalty and God's got a place for you in his kingdom and then Ephesians 1 1, 7 rather says I'm redeemed Oh, my, 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 my. I'm redeemed. I've been bought. I've been paid for. My sin debt paid in full. Can you say amen? Oh, my. Listen, he died. My, he took my place. He died my death. He suffered my hell. He paid my sin debt. He took out his big rubber stamp, stamp, put it in the blood, and stamped my spirit, paid in full. Hallelujah. Paid in full. So when the devil tries to bring up one of your little mistakes you made last week or yesterday or whatever, just say, paid in full. By the blood of the Lamb. How about this one? I have an inheritance. Ephesians 1.11. Not left by grandma. Or Aunt Susie. Uh, No, no. I have an inheritance in Christ. I've inherited the kingdom. Jesus told me it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I've inherited the kingdom of God. Mm, And everything that comes with it. And this one should get your shouter going. If not, go to Walmart and buy a new one. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 says, I am sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Oh, glory to God. Sealed. Preserved. By the blood of the Lamb, by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. How do we get strong in the Lord? By acknowledging every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. I don't want to play church. I want us to experience reality. I want to bring us to a place of spiritual maturity and adulthood. Where we know who we are. We know what we have. We can do what he says we can do. Because Christ in us is the hope of glory. And he's alive in us. Amen? Oh my, this one here. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. You who were dead in trespasses and sin has he made alive. I'm alive. Are you alive? I'm alive. I'm acknowledging that I'm alive. I was dead. See, all these people that talk about, you know, I'm so unworthy and I'm just an old sinner oh stop that just stop that you're minimizing the blood and the works of your savior and your lord when you say something like that he made you alive he raised you from death and you're alive in him and the next verse two and verse six You are seated with Him in high heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Seated with Him. Did you notice seated with Him? Seated. Not just standing there. He sat down because His work is done. You're seated with Him because His work in you has been done. It's done. I'm not trying to get it I have it. It's done. Oh, my head lies to me. My flesh lies to me. The devil lies to me. People lie to me. Everyone, everything from out there lies. But he says, it's done. You're seated with me. It's done. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I don't know if you can sit with this one. I might, brother, I might ask you to put this up on so we can see it, okay? Is that okay? Can you find that real quick? Ephesians 2, verse 10, New Living Translation of the Bible. Because mm-hmm. I'm looking out here, I'm seeing all kinds of people from different walks of life, different positions of life and all that. But we all have one thing in common. One thing in common. And it's right here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. From the New Living Translation of the Bible. And here it is. For we are God's masterpiece. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. When you get up this morning, did you, did you look close to that mirror and say, You masterpiece, you. You masterpiece, all. I know who you are. You're a masterpiece. Work about standing artistry, skill and workmanship. Oh, he looked at me and just said, "Hmm, this over here, and that over there." Then he got his blood and just whoosh, Masterpiece. Hallelujah. You're his masterpiece. Chee, and how about this one? Two thirteen. I was afar off, and so were you. But because of His cross, we've Hallelujah! been drawn nigh. Glory. We're so close to Him. Praise God. We're so near to Him now. We were so far away, but no longer. Glory. Mm-mm. I've been drawn close to Him, yes. and so have you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then we're fellow citizens of the household of faith, Ephesians 2 and 19. See, freedom comes from knowing the truth. And this is only the beginning of the truth. Can you see that? See, God wants to build within our spirits by his spirit, line upon line, precept upon precept, these blessed truths. That's how we become strong in the Lord and the power of his might. This is what holds everything in place. Can I meddle a little bit this morning? Do I have your permission? I'm going to do it whether you give to me or not. Is that okay? All right. Romans 8.28 is one of the most abused scriptures in all the Bible. You ready for it? For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. Right? And most people misquote it by saying all things work together for good. And the mentality that the enemy has put in people's mind is that, that all things work together for good. They, and the law of Bible interpretation is you don't take that verse out of its setting and make it say something that you want it to say. You keep it in its setting. What was said before it, what is said after it, okay? so does that verse really say all things work together for good no No, it doesn't say that no actually what it's trying to tell us is this you see all that's in this chapter all this works together for the good of those that are called that he loves called according to his purpose and what does it start with there's no condemnation to you if you're in christ jesus You walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made you free from a law of sin and death. You're free from the law of sin and death. And that works together for your good. Okay? It goes on to say that the carnal mind is enemy against God, but the spiritual mind is life and peace. That's what it says. Right? That spiritual mind works together for your good. If the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised up Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body by his spirit who dwells in you. That works together for our good. The Holy Ghost on the inside of us gives a witness to us that we are the children of God. And that works together for our good. You know what? God on the inside of us, living inside of us, should be viewed by all of us as Abba Father. Abba Abba Father. Mm -hmm. He's on the inside of us. He's our Father. And He loves us. And that works together for our good. Anyone that's in Him is led by the Spirit of God. And that works together for our good. The Holy Ghost, He helps us pray out the perfect will of the Father. Romans 8, 25 and 26, the 26 and 27. That's what it says. Well, guess what? When we know not what we should pray for as we ought, thank God the Holy Ghost inside of us will help us pray out the perfect will of God with groanings that cannot be uttered in articulate speech. And so we got this groaning working together for our good. And finally we get to verse 28. For we know all things work together for the good, for good, for them that love God, that are called according to His purpose. And the next verse says, and what's His purpose? That you conform to the very image of Jesus. Did you notice I didn't say if you fell down and broke your leg that works together for your good? No. When I say it's been misused, it's been misused. Preachers have told this to people from their pulpits and even in counseling and one of the worst violations of it that I had ever thought of, can think of is a woman was raped and she went to many different preachers including full gospel preachers and they had no, reason, no understanding as far as they were concerned why this would happen to someone who's a child of God concluding that but you know all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose How in the world can you even make that assertion? Are you kidding me? No. Being raped is not working together for your good. That was demonic. That was evil. It was satanic. Despicable. Had nothing to do with working together for your good. So why people take that out of its setting and start saying, We know whatever happens, God is sovereign. He's in control of everything that's going on. That's working together for your good. That's nonsense. That's being biblically illiterate. It's not working together for your good. Well, I fell down and broke my ankle. But you know what? I was able to witness to somebody in the hospital. That was for their good. Not your good. If you want to go witness to the hospital, don't break your legs. Just go there and witness. It's that simple. Right? Right? Okay. So they take the scripture and they take it out of its context. Go on reading the rest of the chapter. If God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. Yes. He that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Works together for our good because we love God and we're called according to his purpose? And I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor principality nor power nor height or depth or any such thing will keep us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that works together for our good. How can you take a verse like that out of its setting and make it say something as ridiculous as rape works together for your good. A broken ankle works together for your good. It doesn't even make any sense. But once again, uh, people fall for it because they hear it from pulpits. Well, we know it's a cop-out if you ask me. It's a cop-out. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. All things means all things. No, it doesn't. Mm -mm. All things doesn't always mean all things. Did you know that? Just like everyone goes to Pizza Joe's. No, they don't. Remember that slogan? Everyone goes to Pizza Joe's. I know a lot of people that don't go to pizza jokes. Is it a truth that he said that it was a slogan? Yeah, but is it true? No. Does the Bible say all things work together for good? and love God that are called according. Yeah, it says that. But does it mean all things that ever happens to you in the world? No, it doesn't mean that. Mm-mm. When the twin towers came down, who that who that work together? Good for. When they were blown up over at the Oklahoma City. Same thing with uh, Virginia Tech University. Columbine. The list goes on and on. Is that working together for who's good? There's no good in that whatsoever. So my point is, Jesus is the truth. There's the written truth, the Bible. And there is the living truth, God the Son. He is the truth. And to be strong in spirit, we need to know accurately what this bible teaches it teaches me i've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb it teaches me i'm an heir of god and a joint heir with jesus it teaches me i'm more than a conqueror through him that loves me it teaches me i'm accepted in the beloved and thank god i've got a place in the eternal kingdom of almighty god it teaches me as i read the back of the book that we win we overcome praise god and we'll be a part of his new and eternal kingdom Thank God. It teaches me I could be rapture ready. If he comes tomorrow, I'm ready to go. Praise God. Hallelujah. Acknowledging every good thing that is in us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know what? I'm just going to give you this one and I'll quit. (laughs) Ephesians 6.14. It says this next piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. Stand therefore, having your loins good about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Notice he starts with the girdle of the truth, which we know the core of a person's body is most important, right? You don't bend over to pick something up, you stoop. A weightlifter knows that. You bend over to pick up all that weight, you're going to throw your back out. You stoop down, you got your core, you got your legs under you, and all that. That's why the girdle of truth is important. But the breastplate of righteousness is held tight to, to cover what? Your vital organs. What is a breastplate of? Righteousness. Rightness before God. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. I mean no offense whatsoever because so is mine. My righteousness is as filthy rags. In other words, it's like I put on a filthy rag this morning to come to church. I'm clothed with filthy rags when I think I can make myself right before God. But there's a verse of scripture. Get your shouters out. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made worms in the dust unworthy creatures cowering in fear before the throne. No. That we might be made what? Say it with me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that sounds better than than I'm a worm. When I first got saved, I started hearing some preachers preach. At first, when you you don't know the Bible as as you should, of course, I just got saved, so I know a lot of it. Oh, Lord, we are so unworthy to come before you and ask anything, but should it be in your providence and great mercy that you would possibly hear my prayer. I'm like, can we get this over with already? I'm not poking fun or anything, I'm just telling you what I heard. You just wanna go up there and just say, get that in you. I was a worm in the dust. I was an old sinner. I was unworthy, but somebody was made sin for me who knew no sin to make me the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. The breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate protects all the vital organs, right? But when the devil shoots his fiery dart and says, you one worthy worm, you. You know how many times you committed that sin this week? Long as it wasn't more than 490 times every day this week, I'm good. Didn't Jesus say 490 times a day? I'm good. Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm good because I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. Now, does that give us a license to sin? No, no, no. It enables us to rise up above the power of sin and the presence of sin and let sin know, let know that we know that you met your match. Jesus became sin for me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And how shall we approach the throne? Like this. Come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Therefore means because of His life, I can come boldly to the throne of grace. I can find mercy and grace to help. Mercy, not give me what I deserve, and grace, give me what I don't deserve. God's divine enablement and ability. Therefore, it says in Hebrews chapter 10, that we have this new and living way to come to the throne of God. How? By the blood of the covenant. We can come to the throne of God with true assurance of heart, full assurance of faith. Our heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and the bodies washed in the pure water of the word. And I can come before the throne and I can say, Abba, Father, I belong here. So, when I go to pray, I don't say, I'm so unworthy. No, I say, Father, I come before your throne in the name of Jesus and by the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, and I belong here because I'm accepted in the beloved. Can you say amen? I'm accepted.